but looking back now having two more years of experience in marketing is there anything that you could have should have and would have done differently how do you have the knowledge back then that you have now that oh, would have made the side hustle yeah. successful yeah so it, it i find once you're small when you're like a small business you can't mm-hmm. you can't be picky but if sure. you go through those hard clients all that hard it, it'll get mm-hmm. easier and you can start to pick but at the beginning That's you just gotta be a bit scrappy you have grit you have grind you're a real one like you're an entrepreneur you probably don't know it yet give you five years tops just to get a little bit more seasoned and talk to more people you're great you're a grinder you're like one of those hardcore entrepreneurs you're built for this you know who you remind me of and i'm pretty sure everyone in the comment section is gonna say yes you remind me of gary vaynerchuk you know gary v right yeah hey everyone welcome to episode one of the boardroom podcast on zelhan Today, I'm with Ben Harmon from Notebook Marketing. He's joining us all the way from Australia. How are you doing today, Ben? I'm good, thanks. How are you? I'm doing all right. Right off the bat, we met on Twitter, your your Twitter profile, actually. Is it Twitter or is it X? Let's settle the debate from now because we're going to be talking for a while. Twitter or X, which do you, which do you like? I'm sticking with Twitter. You're sticking with Twitter. Well, we all know what you mean. So in your Twitter bio, it says Instagram, Twitter, Facebook marketer. What exactly is happening here? Yeah. Okay. So um, generally by saying that we are a marketing agency, so we cover a wide range of uh, expertise, but initially Instagram is our main subject of attention. However, Mm -hmm. we do assist people on all platforms. So you're saying that Instagram is your main focus, but you also focus on Facebook and Twitter. Why not Google? What's the idea here? Well, personally, we we don't really find much leads through Google. Like the main mm-hmm. focus is usually Instagram. We target young people who just want exposure mm-hmm. towards press articles and stuff like that. So Google's ah. not really like a need for us. And Google just has more competition and more experts like that have like gone to uni like universities Mm -hmm. and a lot more experience. And personally, Mm -hmm. it's not our expertise where we are young, we're good at social media. So Mm -hmm. it's kind of our target. I heard you mention something interesting right now where you said that you love to target young people, for example, athletes and musicians. Can you deep dive a little bit more into that for me, please? Why exactly are you targeting young people? Well, to be honest, so what we do, we get people into press articles with high exposure like um forbes um we've got we've got people in i don't know if you know hypebeast it's a young young article out there and those articles tend to target young kids and they work with them well so when we're Mm -hmm. doing like a musician you can be good but no one ever notices you so true the articles really help with that like Lots of young kids see it, they follow them, they get exposure, and it's probably our best strength. Oh, because one of the things that's interesting is whenever I want to get verified on Instagram and most social media, they always look for articles or press reports from a reputable source. So is that part of the strategy that's happening here at Notebook Marketing? 
software that helps with verification and proving that you are someone that's real and actually does what you say you do? Yeah. So, I mean, firstly, yeah, like I said before, it just gathers like traction for the Instagram page or their other social media accounts. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it, it gives validation. Like, like, so if you see anyone in a Forbes magazine, you're going to give high valid validity for their social media pages. True. That's true. And I think it also helps with SEO, but I digress. Something yeah, interesting as, yeah, so something interesting is happening here. You look pretty young, but you're running a digital marketing agency, notebook marketing. How did you get here? What happened? Did you go to college and decide that, you know what, this is not for me. Are you someone that's decided that you're going to go against the norm? Or do you just stumble upon this idea? What happened that got you to notebook marketing? Oh, I just don't like school. So <laughs> like, uh, I don't want to be here much longer. So I, I started off with um, like lots of smaller side hustles, but mm -hmm. initially all those hustles need marketing. So that's the top of all of them. So I decided mm -hmm. to join it. And like I started off with uh, mainly doing like Facebook ads and stuff like that. But mm -hmm. once again, there's people better than me at that. So there's, there's not going to be much better people at social media, you know, so I'm good at that. True. And that's kind of where I target. Can you tell me a little bit more about these sad hustles that you started? When did you start? What did you start? How did it go? Where are they now? Are they on a back burner? Are they working? Are they dead? Are they alive? Tell me a bit more about the side hustles. Yeah, it's a bit of a long story, but um, so we started off okay. at when the craze was drop shipping. Ah. So it was a bit saturated, so a bit late to that mm -hmm. trend. So we just kept following trends, and I was just behind on the ball. Like so, mm -hmm. then after that, we tried wholesaling with Amazon, FBA. Yes. Um, mm -hmm. and then we tried TikTok, mm -hmm. <laughs> and after all that, probably in like twenty twenty one, we started marketing. So you started marketing in twenty twenty one. Before that, you've tried you've tried drop shipping. You tried Amazon FBA. You tried TikTok. Looking back now, because I remember you previously said just a moment ago that one of the reasons why you got into notebook marketing is because you realized that all your side hustle ideas needed marketing. And I myself have a similar story. But looking back now, having two more years of experience in marketing, is there anything that you could have, should have, and would have done differently? How do you have the knowledge back then that you have now? That uh, would have made the side hustle yeah. successful. Yeah, so like I've learned all that stuff from the side hustle. So like you kind of get a perspective from the the audience of what the marketers need to do. So it's like definitely mm -hmm. benefited my skills. However, I think there's no other thing you can do than just submerge yourself in the space and you learn pretty quickly. Like mm -hmm. you learn, um, the one thing I probably waste my most time on was just building a website. It's costly, monthly ah. payments, and it's just unnecessary. Like why are you having all these overheads when you don't need to? Like, mm -hmm. so I started off Twitter, I've got an Instagram, and mm -hmm. all three and it, it, it gets more leads. 
you don't believe that you need to have a website when you're starting out or period? I think if you're expanding and you're going to take on multiple clients, maybe mm -hmm. invest in a web page creator. However, I think if you're small, you, it's just unnecessary to have those costs. Like you're not making any money. So why pay for it? I've been speaking to you for a few minutes, between three and five minutes, who knows? And I'm hearing a few things that are excellent. The first is that you said, you know, you didn't just, you just didn't like school, right? It wasn't for you. You never said you never had an interest in learning, which is quite the opposite, which is important to make a distinction here. Not liking school is not the same as not liking learning. You seem to love learning, yeah. which is why you've come this far. Go ahead. Yeah. Um, the system, I, I can't, <laughs> the school, school's so bad. Um, but school's just not for me. It doesn't mean it's not for anyone else. Like I recommend going mm -hmm. to school, but mm -hmm. it's, it's not for everyone. It's made for a group of people and mm -hmm. it's, it's not for me. So you love learning. You don't particularly like school that much. It's not for you, but if it's for someone else, have at it. You also mentioned some business smarts. So one of the most important things you said was that it's not necessary if you're small to have a website, not because websites are bad or useless, but because it's an unnecessary overhead if you're small. If you're growing, taking on a lot more clients, then sure, you're going to need a website. But other than that, just having a social media account, which is free, keeps your costs low, getting some money keeps your profits high. That's pretty smart right there. Where did you get all this business knowledge from? How did you learn these things or arrive to these conclusions? Which I might add are very well informed, mind you. Oh, to be honest, I was like someone that watched like a lot of YouTube on e-money, online money. Mm -hmm. And I found they all mm -hmm. tell you what to do something, but they don't tell you how. So I kind of had an idea, but mm -hmm. I had to figure it out for myself. And when you start, you, you, don't, you don't have money, so... I'm young, so it's also just a bit hard to have a uh -huh. job and then make it as a side hustle. So that's initially why I never mm -hmm. had a web page and it worked perfectly. I don't need mm -hmm. it. <laughs> okay. So you watch a lot of YouTube. What are some of these channels that you watch? What are the type of content that you like to consume? So I think like a favorite, a lot of people, I'm Ngasi. Um, It was probably the biggest YouTuber I watched. Um, yeah, so he kind of dives into a lot of marketing and he goes on the whole, mm -hmm. you don't need money to start. And plus I've kind of taken that along with me and it's really true. You don't, you don't need it. Quite interesting. We're here discussing marketing, your preferences, how you've arrived at this point. How young are you really? Uh, 17. So you're 17 years old. You've been running a marketing agency for two years. Before that, you tried Amazon FBA, you tried dropshipping, you tried TikTok. Something interesting I want you to take a look at as you're young. I'm 29 years old, by the way, 12 years your senior. Something interesting that happens in business is that you learn a lot more from the failures then you learn from the successes, right? And the thing that's interesting is that you've been doing all the right things. You've tried new ideas. You haven't got 
gotten in love, as you might put it. So if something's not working, you've had the courage to move on and try something new. You've continued to learn along the way. I believe that you're on the right path. I believe that you're doing something awesome. I appreciate it. I respect it. I admire it, actually. Where do you see the end is? Like, what is the grand goal that you're working towards? Is it to be a billionaire? Is it to retire your parents? Is it just to prove people that said you couldn't do it, that yes, I could do it? Is it status? Is it money? What are you working towards, really? Oh, I mean, probably not like a popular opinion, but I just like money. <laughs> like, it, it drives me. You just and like money. I, I, I want to walk into a shop and not have to look at the price tag. I, I, I don't want to have to mm -hmm. ever have to think about it. So if I put myself in a financial position before I leave home, it makes it a lot easier. So I'm in a bit of a rush to do that. I am. Um, I've been rereading Rich Dad, Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki. Are you familiar with that book? Yeah. Perfect. And one of the lessons, the first lesson actually, is that the rich doesn't the rich don't work for money. Uh, they have money work for them. I also learned that if you want something, let's say you want something expensive. Let's say you want a Lamborghini. For some reason, people know Lamborghini. So let's say you want a Lamborghini. 500,000 US dollars, you don't have the money. If you say you can't afford a Lamborghini, you're never going to get that Lamborghini, right? What you're doing, which is the correct way to approach things, is you're saying to yourself, I want a Lamborghini. How do I afford it? I believe that this is the best way to go about things. But in your honest perspective, you don't particularly feel judged or like you're a bad person when you say you're doing it because you love money and you want to be financially free. You don't feel like people look at that as an ennoble way of going about things. Yeah, well, I, I believe people have like a different perspective on it, but I don't want money mm. for me. Like it's not for me. I mm -hmm. I just wanted to share it with my friends, undergoing live experiences, and mm -hmm. I don't want to ever have to think about what can I afford that. I just want to a flight comes up, I I can book it tonight, no return flight. Like I I, I want that experience. It's just to mm -hmm. not have to worry about the price. Mm -hmm. You're quite awesome because a lot of people have the dream and whenever they wake up, they go back to a boring reality and they never try to chase that dream, you know? So like, based on what you're doing, I think you're on the right path. I know someone who is actually a billionaire. And when I asked him why he does what he does, he gave the exact same reason that you gave me. Matter of fact, he started off by saying that this might sound bad as a Christian, but I love money. Like he literally said that. And I even saw a post from Alex Armosi just yesterday. He said that whenever he does business with people who say they prefer relationships over the business side, over the finances, they tend to, he tends to have a worse experience with them versus someone who is doing it for the love of money. So I don't think it's vain. I don't think it's vanity because you're not doing it just because you love money. You love what money is going to allow you to do. Financially free, you never have to worry about the bills or doing what needs to be done. But the way to make money is by offering something of value. Right? You have to give something to get something. Whenever a client comes to notebook marketing, they contact you. 
they set up a consultation and they hop on a call with you and your team. What exactly are some of the problems that they might have or the ideal client really that comes to you and you love working with that client? What are they like? So like, but if, like, is there just, you know, consultation, like they're not my client yet. Our biggest mm -hmm. problem is no shows. They just don't show up. Right? Oh, and they just ghost us. It, it, it's happened a few times. Like they just, they block us <laughs> and just, yeah, it, it's, you know, it's a bit disappointing. You plan your whole day around it and then uh -huh. it doesn't work out. But you've been having this problem for a long while. It hasn't been consistent, but you, I, I, we do get the occasional person and it's just it's mm -hmm. a bit, you know, disheartening. Okay. So here's what could be causing this problem, really. Whenever you do lead generation, the idea is that you're, you have two ways to go about it. Let's say you have a landing page on your website and you're running Google ads. That's where my specialty is. Whenever someone goes to your landing page and they see your offer and you say to them that have a free consult and then we can go from there. If you ask for a lot of information, let's say you ask for their name, their email, so first name, last name, email, their contact number, and income of their business. Those are five fields that you've asked for. You're going to get far less leads than if you only ask for their name and email. The reason is because if a prospect isn't very interested in what you have to offer, then they aren't going to go through the trouble of giving you all that information, five fields, name, first name, last name, email, phone number, and income. So one of the things that you might have to look into is your lead generation process. You could also look at um, scoring your leads in terms of their fit for your business. So if they have to give up something in order to have a consult with you or a consultation, that's going to help with the no-shows because then only the people who actually value your time are going to show up. That being said, though, even the biggest companies have no-shows. Like, I've had no-shows, not for me, but for meetings. Not because I don't want to go, but, you know, things do arise. So whenever that time comes, try not to take it to heart, but as a learning experience. Maybe we're not a good fit and you're saving me time. That's a good way to go about it. It's better yeah. to not have that consultation than to end up in a contract with someone that you don't want to work with for money that's not good because you know terrible leads do try to lowball you but that aside what problems do you help your prospects with and your clients with really um so like we kind of assess at the beginning we just generally just try to flood their profiles with exposure um mm -hmm. because we're a big fan of leveraging like you're following mm -hmm. so we're not interested in recurring so just like charging them over months and months and months because that's not efficient for your customer so mm -hmm. what we do is really like one campaign try to get them mm -hmm. as many followers as they can initially so every time they post they gain a big audience so they never have to market again so okay. it's just all about that leveraging with following it's a big power mm -hmm. you, ha you have lots of power when you have a big audience Okay. So I'm going to put a scenario to you and I want you to tell me in as much detail as you can without revealing any secrets or, you know, uh, strategies that you use with your team that you don't want out there. Let's say, so I have a friend, this is actually a real person. I have a friend from Colombia 
She loves music. She sings really beautifully. And she is working on her singing career. How would you help this friend of mine, Stephanie, that is, how would you help this friend of mine get more exposure? You can choose the platform. She does a really, she sings really well. So you can choose the content that you want to put out there. How would you get her from relatively unknown to being known in any geographic location, not necessarily globally, because that's a tall order. But let's say she's from America. How would you get her to be known in America? What's her process like? Yeah, okay. So um, we have um, connections with multiple press companies. So mm-hmm. we, there's a big festival in America. You might be aware of it. Um, Lyrical Lemonade. And mm-hmm. it, it's really known. It's all the biggest rappers, all the biggest singers in America go to Lyrical mm-hmm. Lemonade and they have a article, Lyrical Lemonade, the festival is coming up and they have mm-hmm. an article. So if you're on that article, you're getting views of millions. And, um, so what we do, we, we would get your friend, mm-hmm. we would get her interviewed and then she modifies the interview. Like, so it's like what she, she really wants the article, what she really mm-hmm. wants to say. And we will mm-hmm. get her in that article. So it will just, yeah. It's pretty serious. And which platform would you use? Because I know you prefer Instagram, but you also take a look at X and Facebook. So which platform or platforms would you have her started on? Instagram. Yeah, Instagram. Instagram. It's um, right. it's a mix. It's, it's, it's more young. So I feel like this is a, a niche, like um, music. It, it, it's not going to fit with it's not going to fit with facebook it's going to be instagram that's true that's true facebook is more mature in terms of the audience as you said i think that's why facebook generally drives more sales across social media because they have a older demographic so they tend to have more money but that's a conversation for another day at zelhan we believe in the power of the internet software and technology to make it easier to start and run a successful business online. Go to zelhan.com and set up a pay discover session with our team. Tell us the problems holding your business back from increasing revenues, getting more clients and being successful. Our team will help you develop a strategy or solution to increase your revenues, profits, or solve any business problem that you might have. Tell us your problems and we will take care of everything else for you. Our pay discover session fee will be removed from your project fee if you work with us within a month of your first discover session. This allows us to do our best work with clients who are serious about working with us. Go to zelhan.com forward slash consultation or click the link in the description of this video to book your first session. Now let's get back to the video. So let's say that a prospect is listening right now you offer the exact services that they would like to have to solve the problems that they're facing. They're trying to get a name out there, build their personal brand, uh, perhaps, perhaps have their music career take a launch. You know, I digress. Interestingly, I live in Jamaica, right? And you know, reggae and dancehall is this popular genre of music across the world. So many new artists out there. And even, even my barber is saying that, Yo, you know, some have some song though. 
which is basically saying he has some songs that he wants to put out there and become an artist as well. So nobody wants to do anything but become an artist. But I digress. So someone is listening, a prospect is listening right now. They're interested in your services. What's your pricing like? So it depends on the article, on the, the magazine. So mm-hmm. initially for something like what I just stated before, Lyrical Lemonade, it would go anywhere from around 1500. So, and then if you want something like Forbes, it's like, it goes five. Okay. And then you can go all the way down to like CEO weekly, which is the, <clears throat> which is a big, um, USA article brand. Um, they only go for 450. So it, it really depends on the article and how much exposure it will get them. So like the more higher, higher end article people, they, um, they charge quite the penny. Yeah, true. That's true. It's more of a situation where the prospect would come in and they would say, we want to be on Forbes, want to be on, it's Lyrical Lemonade, is it? Yeah. They said they want to be on CEO Weekly, Forbes and Lyrical Lemonade. You know the prices of getting your prospect on all these platforms featured and everything. And from there, the price would be determined versus you having a set package that it's a 5K. It's in Australian dollars or US dollars? US. It's in US dollars. And it's like you said, this is just a one-time payment because they don't believe in recurring, correct? Yeah. But here's a question. This is for the business side of things, not necessarily the marketing. Don't you fear or have troubles with the feast or famine cycle? Do you know what the feast or famine cycle is? So feast or famine cycle in business is where you have varying rates of clients and customers and revenues. So in this month, you might have a lot of work to do and you make, let's say, 15K. But you spend all your time getting all that work done. So whenever February is done and March comes in, you've completed all of February work. You've made 15K for February. But because of that, you haven't been marketing. So you have no work for March. And in March, you make 3K, 4K maybe. So you know you're in famine mode. But because you're in famine mode, you keep working hard again on marketing, getting in leads. And April comes in and you make 13K. So you feast on your famine, you feast on your famine. Isn't that something that you're concerned about? At the moment, no, because we aren't getting like, we, we have spare time. Like we don't need to be marketing every day of the, every day of the month. Like we, we, we don't, we, we can, we, we can spare a few hours a day. Um, mm-hmm. So it's not really a concern yet. And if it mm-hmm. is, I'd be happy. That means we're getting a lot of work. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty awesome it sounds like you have everything down pat because that is um i know it seems like everybody has it figured out in business they really don't we're just trying to make it work see what happens so what works in your business might not work in mine and what works in our business might not work in someone else's but i think now you have it let's say you have it down pat you have a good idea of what you're doing is notebook marketing going to be the last thing you work on or do you have your sights on something else for the near future? I, I, I plan on making it more of a personal profile, not so much of a, a company. So instead of like notebook marketing would just be Ben Harmon's in, like as an Instagram page. Mm-hmm. And, and then I would be CEO of my own company. Mm-hmm. And initially I would just do outreach through Instagram because it, it does have high conversions. So, if I do that, I'd be really 
comfortable. And then yes. once I build up a following, that's my leverage, the same thing that I'm doing to my clients. So then I won't have to outreach as much. They would come to me. So I could just put something on my story. If you know what that is, um, yes. on Instagram and mm-hmm. I don't need to reach out. So if I can gain myself exposure, that would be like the, the end goal. That sounds awesome. You know who you remind me of? And I'm pretty sure everyone in the comment section is going to say yes. You remind me of Gary Vaynerchuk. You know Gary V, right? Yeah. Trust me, you remind me of Gary V. He has a massive personal brand on all social media platforms. He posts daily. Do you have an interest in becoming like a keynote speaker for, let's say, you know, like TEDx or there's a webinar or perhaps there's a conference. Are you interested in becoming like a keynote speaker for events like that? I mean, I haven't really thought about it, but like, yeah, <laughs> it'd be pretty cool. Um, seeing lots of mm-hmm. people look up to you and true again, true. you would be able to get that exposure. Like Gary V puts something on Twitter and mm-hmm. he blows up and he gets clients. Like he, he does whatever he wants because he That's can true. leverage his followers where mm-hmm. once you're at the bottom, it's hard. It's, um, it's really hard down here, but once it's up here, it's, it's a bit smoother. I think what you should do is you should start study Gary V. Like read his books, read his autobiography. Does he have an autobiography or his biography? Or he seems to have everything. Can I tell you? And that's the point though. So he has a company in marketing called Vayner Media. They're one of the biggest marketing companies in the world. And when Vayner Media goes to work, they do excellent work. But you know what's interesting? Vayner Media has such a powerful brand because of um, Gary V that I believe that they choose the clients that they work with. So yeah. they might get a sure. hundred people put up their hands and say, we want to do business with you. And they only have 10 spaces and they choose the 10 clients that they want to work with. So definitely study Gary V, read his books, learn all you can about him because I think that's the business model. and. Just to be clear, I'm not saying that you should become Gary V, like become a New York Jets fan, wear um, hoodies and a, um, what's it called? Snapback and so on. No. Or swear a lot. Gosh, please don't swear a lot. But just study what he's been doing right. He posts every day. He's on multiple platforms. If he has a controversial view, he puts it out there. If he's right, he's right. If he's wrong, he's wrong. He has a message. So for Gary V, I think his message is that he believes in empathy and enjoying the experience. For your brand, it seems a lot like you believe in enjoying life for what it is and not conforming to the norms. Put that out there. And something interesting is going to happen. You're going to realize that you're going to have prospects that believe in your dream, believe in your vision. They love your brand. They love what you're about. And they work with you for that reason. And it's a perfect fit. And you're going to have prospects who go the exact opposite way. They're going to say, um, I don't like this. This is not for me. And they're not going to work with you. And you know what? That's perfectly fine. Because if you can get the right people at the right time, you don't need to worry about the fit after that. You know, you would have weeded out the bad people. So I think that's something that you should work on. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. It. it... I find once you're small, when you're like a small business, you can't, mm-hmm. you can't be picky, but 
you can go through those hard clients all that hard it'll get easier and you can start to pick but at the beginning you just gotta be a bit scrappy you have grit you have grind you're a real one like you're an entrepreneur you probably don't know it yet give you five years tops just to get a bit more seasoned and talk to more people you're great you're a grinder you're like one of those hardcore entrepreneurs you're built for this (laughs) but here's a question here's a question elon musk took over twitter renamed it x and he's done something interesting i don't think you you you've touched on this a lot but i want to bring it up and ask for your opinion because you're the expert here i'm the student twitter's partner program where you go pro and you can get revenues from your impressions so you make a you post a tweet for example is it post a tweet or a tweet a tweet you post a tweet it gets a lot of impressions and people have been getting payouts What's your view on all of this that's happening? What's your personal, professional? What are your thoughts on it, really? So you're talking about, I, I actually haven't even heard of the partner program. So what you're saying, it's kind of like a YouTube where you get, you get, yeah, yep. um, audience and then you get paid. Is that sort of what it's like? Yes, but you don't have to have, um, on YouTube, you need a certain amount of subscribers and watch hours. By the way, guys, if you're watching this, go ahead and hit subscribe. We're trying to get to a thousand, not for monetization purposes, but just let us know that, yes, we're on the right path. So yes, I digress. So you don't have to have a certain amount of subscribers, unlike YouTube, because on YouTube, you need to have a thousand subscribers and 4,000 watch hours to be monetized. And I think it's 500 subscribers, 4,000 watch hours, or 3 million views in shorts to get monetized and do a community and stuff like that. On Twitter though, you just post, if I'm getting this correctly, you just post a tweet and the amount of people that see your tweet results in a payout. I think that's how the payments work. So what's your thoughts on that? Well, I mean, it's certainly encouraging for more accounts to jump on Twitter. And I think that's the whole goal for mm-hmm. Elon Musk, just to get numbers, get money. But I think from a community sense, like, Mm-hmm. People are just commenting to boost their tweets. It's not genuine comments. Like oh. you know how you know how when you engage in tw- like tweets, it boosts your account. Mm-hmm. Yes. And the comments are starting. I, I've noticed the comments are starting to get shorter and shorter, like less less um interactive, just mm-hmm. so it boosts their post. And I, oh. I think that's the the greed of the of what you're talking about. Um, mm-hmm. It's all about just trying to get views not so much a community-based platform anymore. But you know something interesting I've found? When Elon Musk took over Twitter and to where it is right now, I've found that some of the best information you can get on anything is actually on Twitter. It's like a university, believe it or not. And here's where I think Elon is going with this. So he's monetizing the views that you get, the impressions that you get for your tweets. And I don't know if this is still on, but I'm pretty sure that he blocked scrapers and bots from accessing the platform by limiting the amount of tweets you can see per day. I don't know if, if that is still on because I really don't keep up to date with social media like that. However, I think the game that Elon is playing is that he wants to compete with YouTube and Facebook. 
or Meta? So we have Twitter, it's not X. Is it Facebook or is it Meta? Let's settle that debate as well. Well, Meta covers Instagram, so just say that. So you call it Meta? Well, I I feel like if you're talking about them as a Facebook and Instagram, I'll just call it Meta because Mm -hmm. it's a a community. So, and Messenger. I forget about that. I call it Facebook because I want to be reminded of this, um, of how they abuse your data and stuff like that. But I digress. So what I think is that Elon is trying to create a platform that competes with all those platforms in terms of information and freedom of speech and allowing users to build a community or an audience or a platform where their voice is heard and they can earn from it. I think that the monetization efforts that he has gone through is just to give people an incentive to post on his platform versus posting elsewhere. I think they even pay more money than YouTube as well. The partner program is still young. So I think that's the power play right here. I mean, it might have its hiccups and glitches, but that's my two cents on that, really. Do you know how to build an audience on Twitter, like to get a lot of followers and views and stuff like that? Oh, do I know how to do that? Um, yeah. I would say roughly. I have a lot of friends on Twitter that help me out, um, but I, I think it's very much niche-based. So if you're like a ghostwriter, if you, do you know what that is? Um, yeah, so a ghostwriter is someone it's, who I, it's going to be a lot writes, easier to get followers. Where anonymously, yeah, mm-hmm. and somebody publishes with their yeah. name, but they don't want that. Mm-hmm. Where I feel like as a marketing agency, not many to, not many people like would follow that. So we actually just um kind of reorganized our page so it's a bit more personal. Instead of like a brand's logo, we changed it to my face, um, mm-hmm. and, and we're trying to just making it a bit more personal. Hopefully, um gaining those followers, but in like the side of Twitter growth, um, I, I, I don't know too much about it, but I just know engaging content and consistently post, like that's all I'm doing at the moment. Um, and I, yeah, it's I'm, working. Yeah. It's not as fast as others. Like, so you get to those people that get like a thousand in like a week followers and we're, really? we're yeah, yeah. But it's generally just like luck of the draw. Like it's, um, you do something and it works and you'll get a thousand followers off one post. <laughs> like we, we have friends that have done that and it'd be pretty cool mm-hmm. if that would happen anytime soon, but <laughs> so... yeah, it's just consistency, patience. Okay. That sounds good. Is there any question that I did not ask that you would like us to talk about just for a bit? Um, no, not, not, not really. You, you kind of covered a lot of questions pretty well. Um, yeah, it was actually good. You did well. Oh, thank you. It's my first time, believe it or not. <laughs> we can't go without giving the audience an opportunity to work with you. We're doing here at Zelhan and the boardroom podcast is we're creating a platform, a community where entrepreneurs can thrive and grow together. That's the main reason we're doing what we're doing. So let's say someone in our audience or one of our viewers, one of our listeners are interested in your services. How would they reach out to you and notebook marketing to get your team to help them build their personal brand and so on? At the moment, we aren't kind of established on many platforms, but Mm -hmm. we're trying to aim for communicating through Twitter or X. (laughs) Um, mm-hmm. so 
any any DMs through X, we would be right onto it. We do have an Instagram, um, and we do have a web page, but we were trying to gain attention through our uh, our Twitter, so mm-hmm. that would be preferable. Sounds good. So if they go to Twitter and they search for Notebook Marketing, the account with your face, the one that comes up, that's the ideal way to contact your team. Yeah. Yeah, we'll figure out answer that. And what's the process like after they contact you? Do you set up a consultation? Is there a questionnaire before? How do you go about this? Oh, uh, well, we would ask a few questions, just um, build a bit of a relationship. But yeah, the 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 end result will be just be a consultation. Um, mm-hmm. and if more times needed, we'll just keep doing consultations until we find what we want. And if you're happy and we're happy, mm-hmm. and that's the process. Sounds good. So we're going to post the link to your Twitter profile in the description below. You guys can mm-hmm. find it if you're interested in working with Ben and Notebook Marketing. Ben, I'd like to thank you for joining us today. For this, It's really been a pleasure talking with you. I'm very excited for what the future holds for you. I see a very young Vaynerchuk here and I see someone who's passionate about learning and mastering his craft, whatever it might be, not just marketing, not just entrepreneurship, or anything that catches your attention and challenges you in the right way. So it is our tradition on the show to ask every guest that comes on a very important question. Based on your experience here today and the goal we are working towards, is there anyone that you would like to have on this podcast in the future? Uh, yeah, um, so actually one of my friends on Twitter Zach mm-hmm. Ghost, um, this is his, his uh, Twitter account, and um, Zach Ghost. Yeah, so it's just um like that. And, okay. Um, okay. He's mm-hmm. he's at four thousand followers on Twitter, and um yeah he's mm-hmm. helped us out a lot, and really? yeah really cool guy. So Zach Ghost on Twitter, your friend, four thousand Twitter followers today, mind you, is gonna grow. And you would like to have him on. When he comes on, because we're going to reach out to Zach Ghost, we're going to invite him on. Do you have a question that you would like to ask him and have him answer in his episode on the Boardroom Podcast? Um, what's his secret to growth on Twitter? He seemed to crack it. Perfect. So we're going to have Zach Ghost on. We're going to try to get him on. When we get him on, we will ask him what's his secret sauce to growing on Twitter because, well, he seems to have it down pat. I want to thank you for joining us today on the Boardroom Podcast. I want to thank you, Ben, for coming on as well. You've been brilliant. This has been fun. We'd love to have you on again in the future just to see how things are going at Notebook Marketing, what you're working on and what your aspirations are. So join us on the next episode of the Boardroom Podcast where we will discuss website security with a scurry security specialist, Stephen Johnston. Thank you guys for joining us. Take care until next time. Ben? Yeah, thanks, guys. Cheers. See you soon, brother. <laughs>